Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish, presented by TireAct.com, is also brought to you by Canon Solutions America, Credit Union One, Coca-Cola, Gatorade, and Under Armour. Welcome to Episode 5 of Wake Up the Echoes. I'm your host, Tony Simeone, and we have a great show this weekend, as we always do, but let's be honest, it's a little bit more fun because of the way that game ended on Saturday night. I did not lose faith for a moment. I knew Sam Hartman was going to come through on 4th and 16. He put his body on the line, and Notre Dame is 5-1 and one at the midway point of the season. We talked to head coach Marcus Freeman, as we always do, about that big Last second drive, we talked to a couple guys in the defensive secondary uh, who are great leaders for this team, but I think you'll hear in an an interview with Cam Hart and DJ Brown just how great these guys are and how much they've really invested into the Notre Dame program. It was awesome to talk to both of those guys this week, uh, and they're both having great seasons for a defense that really keeps showing up week in and week out. Finally, we were joined by Notre Dame radio analyst Ryan Harris. He's a Super Bowl champion. Also played his college football here back in the middle portion of the 2000s. He's a great analyst for this team on the radio. I selfishly uh, get to talk to him every week and love his insight. Uh, But it was great to chat with him and kind of check in on where he sees this team halfway through the year and kind of do some big picture talk with him. I think you'll be interested, too, to see uh, where his vote comes in on the North versus South dining hall debate. Uh, We're halfway through the season of shows on Wake Up the Echoes as it relates to football and the score is getting interesting uh, when it comes to dining hall. So let's not waste any more time. Let's talk to the head coach, Marcus Freeman. All right, coach, here we go. Fifth episode, and we had our most experienced guest you're going to hear from later, Cam Hart, gave us some tips on the the podcast, which is great. I want to talk about this game a little bit, though. Uh, By the skin of your teeth, fourth and 16, I mean, kind of unbelievable. Let's start there with just the play on fourth down. When Sam's rolling out, What's going through your head as the head coach? Are you just saying, run for this? Are you looking downfield to see if he has anybody? I mean, when you see your quarterback scrambling on a play to decide the game, I imagine a lot of thoughts go through your head. Yeah. um, I was watching him. You know, a lot of times you're watching the quarterback and the ball. um, And I remember when he was flushed out of the pocket, I was like, oh, shoot. You know, like, man, this ain't a good look. The minute I saw him take off, right, because he kind of pumped fake a little bit and and waited and hesitated. The minute I saw him take off, I said, oh, he's going to get it. Mm -hmm. I knew right when he took off, I was like, he's going to get it. And uh, he did. And and I really credit that to learning opportunities from the week before. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, what you saw is a guy that said, okay, the week before on fourth and one, I kind of left it up to chance Mm -hmm. and wasn't, didn't make it very clear that I got the first down and um, man, when he took off, there was no denying him, and he put his shoulder down, and, and he dove and got the first down, and it was, uh, I mean, what a heck of a play, you know. As a coach, when you come off the week you guys had the week before, and you pointed, we talked about it, there's these moments. It's like we didn't execute these big moments that we had to, and that's the difference in the game. And then you go down to Durham, tough environment, and you do execute the big moments. How validating is that? The, the message somehow is getting through and, and the guys are making the plays when they have to because it's kind of what it just comes down to in so many of these games, right? Yeah, uh, just what I told the team, you know, after a game is that, as I told you the week before, great teams find a way to make those plays and execute when it matters the most. Mm-hmm. And I said, we're a great team. We just didn't do it versus Ohio State. And I said, I don't know when it's going to happen. I didn't know it was the next week. <laughs> when we have the next opportunity, we will execute 
when it matters the most. And um, that's what you're most pleased about, right, is that that drive, you know, it's third and ten. We got to get a first down. And they did. Mm -hmm. They executed. Then the fourth down play. Who cares what happened to play before? Who cares that it was fourth and 16? This is the play we got to execute, and we're able to do it. And, uh, you know, defensively, they're able to get a a sack strip fumble and recover it. Like, that is um, extremely satisfying as a head coach because that's what you want for your play. You want them to understand how it feels to win that close game. Yeah. The the same feeling that our opponent had the week before. And so um, I was so happy for them uh, because of the hard work and preparation. They – they they really worked their tails off last week to to learn from mm-hmm. and improve um, from the mistakes that happened in Ohio State game in the midst of some of that pain we we're talking about that you naturally feel. I'm curious about a few moments in the game just because I get to talk to the head coach, and if you can't share everything, that's fine. I want to know about the fake punt. Mm-hmm. How does that get communicated? You know, it's third and long, right? And you pick up maybe all but five yards. How do you decide in the, a matter of 30 seconds, fake punt? And how does it get communicated? How does it get executed? Because I'm always fascinated. Like, how does that decision come to be? That's decided throughout the week of okay. preparation. And um, you you figure out where you want to run it. You want to figure out what hash you want to run it to, what part of the field, um, what's the down and distance. And then you say, okay, hey, if the ball gets put into this position, we're going to run that fake. Because I had conviction because of, of the way we practiced it, mm-hmm. right? And I saw it and we kept running and we run it in practice. I said, I had a conviction we were going to be able to convert. And so – it just happened to be on the first punt. The ball was in that area that we were looking for, and it was very clear. I said, Marty and Coach Biagio, run it. So the second it gets to fourth down, you're like, run it. You give the call in. Wow. Okay. And I was kind of thinking about on third down. It was third and extra long, and I'm like, if we're able to get some yardage here, yeah, we're gonna. Because I knew it was right in that the territory of the field that we wanted to run it. So if we are able to get some yardage here, like let's do it. Mm-hmm. The third down to get off the field. I asked the two guys later in the show, you'll hear it, DJ and Cam, just like, what's it like being in a defensive huddle when everyone kind of knows if you don't get off the field on this third down, they're going to run the clock out or at least get close to it with the timeout situation. It's kind of a make or break play. What's now that you're the head coach, what's the communication like? What's it like when you know you have to get off the field on a third down? And what are you guys talking about there? Win the interval. Okay. Like we can't add extra pressure because it's third down and we have to get off the field. Like mm-hmm. the pressure to win this play should be every play of the game. And that's what I don't want to happen is that you have added pressure that really um, distracts you from what your job is to do. And and that's the, always the challenge, man, is to not be outcome-driven and not worry about, okay, if we don't get this stop, we lose the game. Mm-hmm. It's to be, okay, what am I supposed to be looking at? What is my responsibility? Go do my job with effort and attitude. And so I hope that's what was going through their head. Not that, hey, this is desperation, you know, because that's going to – it really confuse you from the clarity of what you're supposed to be doing. And mm-hmm. so it's just every play is, is the most important play because it's this play and it's all we got. One more player I wanted to just ask you about. Did you know Mitchell Evans was going to look like Michael Mayer this year? <laughs> At certain times I was just like, what is this yeah. guy doing? He's making yeah. amazing catches. He's really coming into his own right now, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. I told Coach Parker yesterday, like, that tight ends room is is really elevating. Yeah. You know, and, and between Mitch and, and Holden um, – you know, and, and even Sherwood and, and uh, Cooper, like all those guys are really constantly improving. And, and to, to the rewards of that is is the game that, that Holden had versus since you stayed, the game that Mitch has had the past two weeks, man, because they're constantly improving, you know. And Mitch made some big-time catches, yeah. right, and some big-time plays and has a lot of confidence. But that's, that's really earned from practice. And so uh, – 
that tight ends room has done a really good job at, at really elevating their play. People will hear about it a little bit later when I asked you and Cam about your uh, process on a Saturday night game, how you mm-hmm. kill some time and watch some other football. I want to know what it's like after a Saturday primetime game when you get home. You guys get home at, what, 3, 4 o'clock? Yeah. And then how do you finally get to bed? Because we were talking before we started here that it takes a while to decompress, too. Yeah. So what's that process like after the win? Well, I think you you watch the film. I always watch the film. You guys know that. On the flight? So, yeah, I watch okay. the film, on watch the game on the flight, take your notes. Um, you get home. I'm a big unpack guy. Like, I'm that person. That, unpack the suitcase? Yeah, That's yeah, me. And, and my right, wife thinks know. I'm crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not waiting. I just want to get it unpacked, <laughs> you know. And so I got home, and uh, – my wife didn't unpack it, I unpacked. And then, you know, kind of lay down and try to decompress and fall asleep sometime before 5 o'clock. And then the kids are ready to roll about 6.30 or 7. <laughs> they don't care what time you got home. They want to talk about the game. The little ones didn't know if we won or did it because they, they fell asleep. They fell asleep, right? <laughs> yeah, Daddy, did you guys win? Yeah, we won. What happened? You guys were losing. And, you know, so you explain to them and uh, – you know, you enjoy those Sunday mornings because that's uh, one of the few times you get to spend with your family. And so, yeah, you're 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 tired, but but you know, you gain energy from your your kids and and spending time with them. And then you come back in the office and you're ready to roll. You guys flipped the uh, days that you have off this year, right? After yep. last year, yep. with all the night games, that's probably helpful this year. Have you found that Sundays are kind of fun. I mean, you're still working, I know, but like fun to have that time to decompress and kind of soak it in and get your breath before you go back to work on Monday. Yeah, I think it's better for our players, right, okay. to let them have a night, a day that they're completely off from football and from school, mm-hmm. right? And that was one of the big reasons why we changed it because of some of the academic demands. It's it's tough, you know. You got to go to class and study, and so Monday truly wasn't a day off for them, and so that's why we kind of made that switch. So give them Sunday to, you know, home games, be with their family, decompress, get away from football, rest their bodies. You know, for us as coaches, we just do different things. We're always working, but so instead of, of practice and meetings on Sunday, we just meet as a staff and game plan on Sundays okay. and then Monday mornings, and then we meet with our players Monday afternoon. And so I think it's been good for our coaches to get into a new routine of, of truly preparing. you got to put the previous game away on Sunday mm-hmm. and start preparing for your opponent. And then the challenging part is you got to revisit it on Monday when you as coaches have totally moved forward. Right. That's why I never um, was a fan of it until I got here um, because I became a fan of it because it's going to help our players. Yeah. And for coaches, it's hard because you got to, instead of putting the game away, you do for a couple hours and then you got to revisit it when your players come back on Monday. So that's kind of why we did it. Um, but it's just a new routine for the coaches and mm-hmm. they've done a great job. One more football related thing is penalties yeah I'm kind of shocked we're talking about penalties and this week we've talked about it I didn't see a lot of selfish penalties which is probably a pro but I know 12 and they're pre-snap and lining up and this and that what are you guys doing and then I also am curious how do you you know communicate to guys that hey we can't do this but at the same time you can't just wear them down and air them out because they're doing a lot of good stuff you can't make them feel like you're just ruining everything with penalties so what's the messaging like you figure out why okay and and you can't just say, don't do that. Don't do that. No, no. That's, par- right. that's Parenting yeah, 101, right? Right, okay. exactly. <laughs> you got to figure out why they're doing it and figure out a better process to make sure it doesn't happen again. And that's the challenge that we have as coaches. Like, It takes actually hard work. It's easy to say, hey, he shouldn't have done that. Move on. Right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you win, it's easy to do that and just say, okay, hey, we know he needs to do this. Let's move on. But it takes hard work to figure out why this person did it. And it takes ownership. Right. We as coaches have to own, okay, this guy fall started, right? Well, maybe it's because they flinched, maybe because they said something. It doesn't matter. 
what do we have to do in our process to prevent that from happening again? Mm -hmm. And that's to me where we've done, uh, myself as a head coach, but our coaches have done a tremendous amount of growth in is, is figuring out why things happen. There's a cause and effect, I keep saying, right? There's a cause and there's an effect. Like nothing happens just by chance. Yeah. And so let's figure out the cause and let's fix the process so we can get the effect that we want, the outcome that we want. And so you got to dissect them, yeah. right? He just aligned off sides. Okay. Well, how do we make sure in practice that we address that so that he can, it, it, it becomes a habit. Second nature. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the last thing I have before I let you go is just, I can't believe it. The season's half over, the regular season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a schedule where there's six games done before the end of September. That's what you guys did by like eight minutes before midnight on uh, on Saturday. Halfway through the year, just, and this, we're actually halfway through our podcast mm -hmm. season, so it kind of all works out, but just big picture. I know you're kind of in it right now and you got two more weeks until you get your first buy, but just what's your impression of this season? What are the things that come to mind? I thought you guys showed great resolve yeah. down there. That has to be the thing that's most fresh in your mind, but just halfway through the year, where do you assess things right now? You know, you, you look at that big picture view and you say, man, you're proud of the the way these coaches and these players have continued to buy into what we're doing um, to be five and one, you know, and to, uh, you know, play some really good teams. Um, I think every team we've played has been undefeated. And you got one more coming up yeah, this week too. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, to play some challenging teams and to continue to find a way to win is, is macro picture is, is awesome, man. It's, it's what you want for your program. Micro picture is how do we continue to find ways to improve, right? And I said this in my press conference is that every football program will improve. You improve from reps, you improve through experience, but our challenge is to improve faster. Like that's our competition. How do we improve faster than our opponents, right? If we're able to improve faster, that's going to give us a better chance to win. And so that's the constant micro daily challenge. We have to improve as a football team and get as close to reaching that full potential as we can. And we got to do it faster than our opponents. Mm -hmm. And so we have to understand what that process is to making sure we improve faster. Coach, thanks. We're going to bring in a couple of veteran DBs and then I'll talk to you with Cam Hart a little bit later. All right. Looking forward to it. Hey, Notre Dame fans, this is Tony Simeone, host of Wake Up the Echoes, presented by TireRack.com. Much like the Fighting Irish, TireRack.com knows a thing or two about passion and performance. Their on-site test track is the gridiron, and they've drawn up a playbook to make tire buying a snap. Test results, consumer reviews, and a tire decision guide, plus mobile tire installation that comes to you. Get the right tires to tackle whatever comes next at TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm your game day face paint, and you just rubbed me right into your eye. Now your vision is super irritated. So is that driver you just hit. And if you have cut rate car insurance, these damages will rob you blind. So switch to Allstate. Save $468 and get better protected from mayhem like me. National average annual savings of new auto customers surveyed in 2022 who switched to Allstate. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. I got Cam Hart. I got DJ Brown. This is our coldest moment of the week segment. So it's sponsored by Yeti. So I always bring in two guys and we talk about coldest moment of the week. I'm going to talk about you guys getting off the field. Because if you don't get out the field on what, third and four, that mm -hmm. game probably goes the wrong way. So talk me through. I'll start with you, DJ. What's a huddle like that? Like when you guys are talking, I think they're going to be coming out of timeout. Like what's the discussion like where you know if we don't get off the field, this isn't going to go the way we want it to go? All right. Yeah, we know we had to get a stop. Um, for us, you know, Riley Leonard's a running quarterback. 
So we wanted to get in a call that not only stopped him running the ball, but also the running back as well. Um, so whenever you play like a team like that, where they have two guys in the backfield that can run, it's always challenging. Um, so for us, we had a call where um, X had the running back, I had the quarterback, basically. Um, and then when we got off the field, um, you know, we did our job. I was surprised. I was honestly looking for them to go for it on fourth down. I thought they were going to do it. Yeah. Um, but they ended up doing like a little pooch punt. So I was surprised too. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they were going to go for it. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Cam, what about you? What's your mindset there? I know you're a corner in a situation like that. Were you were you on the field for that play? Well? Yeah. So what um, what's your responsibility in that moment? I think it was more so, and this is why I was telling uh, the other DBs just to be aggressive in that moment. Don't be conservative. Um, I know a lot of times you can get in your head about the moment and forget about the, um, like your technique or things like that. And we were in a call where we can be aggressive. Hmm. Um, yes, it was it was challenging at that moment, but um, but just don't don't be too conservative. Um, be aggressive and um, yeah. Yeah, I, I've been asking guys when they come in with their teammates here too. I'm curious. I'll give you some time to think about it. Each other's coldest moment of their career. Now, you guys have been here a while, so there's a lot of moments I'm sure you can think of. I see DJ not in those, so I'll go with him first. When you think of Cam Hart, what's the coldest moment he's had on campus? Um, just on the field versus Wisconsin. Um, yeah. Played them in <laughs> Chicago. Yep. Cam had two clutch picks that really changed the game around, um, and those are his first two picks of his career. So I was, like, real excited for him, real happy for him. Um, that was a that was a big time moment for Ken. When I talked to Maris, he said Wisconsin for Kaiser because that was pick six. Yeah. So you guys had coldest moments in Chicago. Yeah. What about DJ? Um, one that I can remember is we're playing Purdue, and um, game's tight. Mm -hmm. We're in cover three, and um, I go up and bat the ball to DJ. <laughs> well, I wasn't even trying to do that, but just with his effort, um, he was running to the ball, and um, game was on the line, and sealed the game. And I actually got hurt on that play. Oh, but that's right. It, I think just him being being there and being in that position to um, end the game in that way, it was good. Oh, I wanted to ask you, too, about uh, this past week. Because you said you got off the field, but then you guys are defensive guys. What is it like then when the offense goes out there and you're down by one? It's out of your hands. Like, what goes through your head when you're on the sideline and you're just like, okay, well, Sam and these guys better figure it out? <laughs> uh, for me, it was nothing but confidence. Hmm. Um, confidence in the offense and then also confidence in our special teams unit. Um we spend a lot of time with these guys going against these guys, and we've practiced these situations over and over in practice. So having a guy like Sam to control the offense and then the offensive line, a um, bunch of veteran guys, I mean, I just had nothing but confidence that they were going to finish the job in that yeah. situation. I would say the same thing. Um, like Cam said, we work on two-minute drives every Wednesday, every week in practice. Um, so, like, seeing the offense, the way they're able to operate, the way they're able to be smart, you know, clock the ball, get out of bounds. Um, whatever it is, you know, I had confidence in them. I yeah. had confidence in Sam. And then just, like, um, before this game, I think, like, we've had, like, four or five two-minute drives before halftime, mm -hmm. um, and we've been able to score on those. So it was all confidence. Um, I had faith in the offense. You know, we were only down by one. So, um, you know, if we didn't score a touchdown, I had faith in Spence, you know, to make the kick. Yeah. So. I want to go off the field a little bit real quick. You guys are both DMV guys, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, our producer, Derek Coleman, he's a DMV guy, so he had a couple uh, Baltimore questions for me. So first of all, you guys Orioles fans? 
Um, care I grew about the up Orioles? Orioles fan. Okay. Um, I'm not big, big of a baseball guy. Okay, my but they're grandma. playing well this year. You know yeah, they are. Okay, cool. My grandma kind of forced it on me. So. <laughs> Your grandma forced yeah. it on you? Yeah. Adam Jones, right? He just got honored. He's a big deal yeah. back there. And then you're a Ravens fan, right? I am a Big Ravens. time Ravens fan. So what's yeah. it like seeing Kyle Hamilton now play for the Ravens? Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, when he got drafted, you know, I was expecting him to go to the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was real surprised he went to the Ravens and then – just like the history of that defense, um, you know, I knew he was going to be in a good spot, especially like the culture there, um, the way they work. Like, it couldn't have been a, a better spot for Kyle, honestly. So it was exciting. Who are you guys growing up? I mean, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis. Like, where where do you gravitate towards? I, I assume Ed Reed's one of your guys when you're growing up. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Ed Reed. <laughs> I loved Ray Lewis. Um, you know, I was a huge Ravens fan, so like. Even the offense, like back then, I wanted to be a receiver. Um, they had Jacoby Jones back then. Oh, um, Anquan Bolden was real good too. So, uh, for me, a dark horse is Terrell Sucks. Oh man, yeah. bad man. Yeah, he's a bad man, <laughs> and um, not the best looking guy. So <laughs> it was fitting for for me. I I don't know why I was just a big Terrell Sucks guy. Yeah. What do you, where do you guys come down on Flacco? I mean, he got you a Super Bowl. Isn't that kind of all that matters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> oh, come on, you can one of those I'll guys. Leave it at that. Oh man. Um, you guys have been here a long time now. I'm just curious, like you're at this point in your career where you've kind of been through it all. Just when, have you guys had time this year? I'll start with you, DJ. When you guys have been through so much, I mean, you went through COVID, coaching change, all kinds of different stuff. It's been fun to talk a lot of fifth year, sixth year guys this year. Like what comes to mind? Like what flashes through your head when you think about your time at Notre Dame? Have you had time to reflect on that since you've been here? Yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, going into last year, I thought last year was going to be my, you know, last time here. So um, you know, just all the ups and downs of being here, um, and really just all the success we've had as a program. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw a graphic, you know, as soon as we got off the plane the other day, it was like Notre Dame is, has won 30 straight games against ACC teams. Yeah. Um, so like, that's a big accomplishment. Um, and like, I think since I've been here, we haven't lost a regular season game to the ACC team. Yeah. So really just the, the success I've been blessed to be a part of, um, some great teams, great coaches, um, and great players. What about you, Cam? Um, same. Um, it's, I mean, it's been a bumpy road, obviously. Sure. And um, it sucks that COVID had had that stint in our college careers. But um, some great moments, some um, moments to learn from. And I've I've always attributed this to the second best decision I've ever made in my life. Hmm. Um, and I can think back to some of the greatest times here. And actually, the greatest time here wasn't even on campus, but with with the people that I met on campus. Yeah. Um, at college draft party, but there's so many great memories, and um, I'm appreciative of this. Place you said sure. second best decision. What was what's the best one? My high school. Oh, okay. Going to going away from Baltimore and getting out of the city, and um, going to good council. Um, just the people that I met there, the environment, and yeah. I, I mean, it changed my life. So, I, I yeah. think I was reading that that really helped you identify you wanted to come here. Right? Yeah. Is that true? No doubt. What, what yeah. was that experience like then? How, how did that all come to be? What to going to good good council and then identifying this is the place you wanted to be. Um, I always say like Notre Dame's a good council on steroids. <laughs> um, but this the people that I met there, I knew I wanted to be in a college environment with great people. Okay. Um, and just great culture and good good council and Notre Dame have both of those. And then um, it was just fitting for me with the teammates, the coaches, um, the environment. I didn't I didn't see myself going to a big school hmm. um i don't think i would be able to flourish in that environment so um yeah it's similar what, what about your path dj how did you end up here when did you kind of know okay this is a spot i want to be 
Yeah, so I was actually committed to um, University of Virginia for a while. Um, and Notre Dame offered me on my official visit at the University of Virginia. Um, so I was like kind of going through a lot of emotions. Um, I was like on the sideline. Um, Virginia was about to play Virginia Tech. And I'm thinking like, man, like a Notre Dame <laughs> offered, like just going to visit, um, that would be awesome. So I kind of kept it to myself, hmm. um, didn't tell my mom yet. Wanted to wait till <laughs> the visit was done because I didn't want her, you know, decision to be swayed or anything. Um, and then when I got here, um, you know, just the people I met, the opportunity here, um, and then just big time football. Like, it's everything I would have asked for in a school. Um, and I don't think I really realized it. Like, I didn't, never grew up like a Notre Dame fan or anything. But I think a lot of the guys here can attest to it. Like, once you get on campus, um, you know, you realize how special this place is. Yeah. I want to go back to last week, Ohio State. Talked to both you guys about it a little bit. I want to start with you, Cam. Talk me through what a, getting ready for a week like that is. I know you guys didn't get the result you wanted, but you guys were going up against like two of the best receivers you're ever going to see in this oh. country. What was the experience like for you? How did you feel like that went? And what was it like matching up with those guys on the outside? Um, I would say it was stressful hmm. because I think this, all the distractions that was attached to that game and um, me trying to be a leader in that situation, I, I put a lot of stress on myself um, purposefully. Um, to make sure that guys just realize that it's just a normal game yeah. and take it as such. And I think we played as a defense um, in that fashion. We didn't put too much pressure on ourselves and put too much respect in their name. And um, that's how I approached the week, and that's how I took every day. And then going up against um, their receivers, I mean, um, I've, I've played against them before. Yeah. Um, so I knew the the task that I had at hand. Um, but to be honest, uh, I just approached it as any other yeah. game, right? So I didn't try to make it too, the moment too big because that's, that's when I know myself and that's when I try to act out of character. <laughs> and, um, so I stayed level-headed, um, and yeah. Yeah. For you, DJ, I know there's a play you, you want back, but I was impressed with you because I think it was the following Tuesday, you were right out there talking to the media. I mm -hmm. thought you were really candid about it, just what's that experience like? What's your bounce back mentality like? Cause I, I was just impressed listening to you talk last week about the, about the play in the whole game. Yeah, most definitely. Um, Coach Freeman, you know, he has a saying that he's told us a couple of times. He always says the past and the future are thieves of the present. So I really tried mm -hmm. to live by that um, and not really think about, you know, what happened in the past, what happened last game, or what am I going to do this game? Like really just, you know, focusing in on practice or preparing for Duke or whatever it is. Um, and not really letting things that happen affect me because if I let, you know, a past game affect um, my performance going forward, then I'll look back and, you know, be upset. Like, man, I, I really let that one play affect the rest of my season. So mm -hmm. for me, it was just about moving forward and, you know, focusing on what I can control now. When we were, came in here, going to take a U-turn again, we were talking a little golf. What's the golf game like? I've seen you out there at the at the golf course. You said you haven't played in a while, though. Where's your yeah, golf game at? These I haven't days? played in a while. It's probably really bad right now. Um, <laughs> this is not golf season for it, you, right? <laughs> it isn't. Um, I wish I had more time because that's that's what I use to get away from football. Mm -hmm. But um, just haven't had the time to do to do it mm -hmm. and um, get out there and play. But I'll play a lot this summer. So okay. We'll see. You said you were out there. I didn't notice he was out there. You were playing with Kyle and DJ. You guys are both yeah. out there when I saw it. Okay, yeah. so what's what's the status of your golf game? Um, 
very average. Very, very average. Below average. Maybe, below average. Maybe below average. I just started in February, so I was kind of mm. picking it up. Um, but I think the more I played, um, the better I got. I'm just not consistent. That's my main thing. I just That's the one thing I got to work at. Yeah. Um, and then that takes time, honestly. Yeah. So. When I was reading up on both of you, this is back to kind of we talked about the good counsel, but I read about the people in your family that have kind of helped you get to where you are. I guess I just wanted to hear a little bit more about the people that have helped you get to the spot you're at. When you get to the end of your Notre Dame experience, I think it's a good time to reflect. So I'll start with you, Cam, but that path to good counsel and then how you got here, like who are the people that when you think back to making this all work for you are the people that stick out and you think of as having a great impact on your experience? Um, My mom, um, just being that supporter, that being that, um, love that I need, um, no matter how good I play, no matter um, if I fail, if I'm doing well, she's just always there in my corner. She's my best friend, strongest person I know. Yeah. And then um, my uncle, um, he's more of the anchor in that. Um, he's hard on me, um, expect a lot out of me, and when I get all the love and care from my mom, he's just there to make sure I'm focused. And then um, my godfather, um, was also uh, an NFL agent, so he has seen it all. He's um, been through it all, and um, just having him there for great advice and um, showing me the way and showing me what I'm doing well and not, and what I'm not doing well. Yeah, um, that's been good. And just those three people, um, shoot, I wouldn't be here yeah. without them, right? So um, just appreciative of them. And yeah, what about you, DJ? Yeah, I would say, you know, starting off with my dad um, at a young age, he instilled in me and my siblings, like, to work hard. Um, and, like, if you work hard, you can achieve whatever you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, he passed away when I was in high school. But just, like, taking it away, all he, he taught me, um, the stuff that I carry on today. Um, and then my mom, um, she's my rock. Like, like Cam said, like, if I have a good game or a bad game, mm-hmm. like, her opinion doesn't change on me. Like, <laughs> she loves me. She'll text me before every game, text me after every game if she's not there. Um, so definitely my mom. And then lastly, just all the coaches that I've had growing up. Um, I've had a lot of great coaches that really cared about my development, um, taught me a lot, and, like, just taught me to strive for more um, and not be, you know, complacent or, you know, settled with, you know, being average or, you know, going <laughs> to whatever a smaller school, like shooting for the stars, honestly. Yeah. So – can I, if you don't mind, can I ask you a follow-up about your dad? Yeah. I read a great article uh, about you speaking at your father's funeral. Mm-hmm. I think you had a quote in here from a poem It was that he left on you, right? It's excuses are the tools of the incompetent. Those who specialize in excuses seldom excel in anything else. I mm. I read that and I heard you, or I, I read about you talking at that funeral, and it just, it kind of hit me. It was like, yeah. this guy, in his time with you, left a great impact, just what was that experience like when you think back to your dad what what comes to mind I just thought that was really interesting to read about that from you yeah I would just say first thing I think about is just constant lessons just over and over again um every experience um was a lesson every loss was a lesson he never got mad at me if I had played bad Mm -hmm. in a game or anything like that but it was more like you know what can you learn from that um and that's something I've I've taken away and sort of, you know, implemented in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I have kids way down the line, something I, I want to be be there for them as well. Uh, so really just like, you know, constant lessons and learning. Like, of course, there was most of the time, like I was half listening, half not. But right. as you get older, you realize, um, you know, like how much a lot of those things he said 
met and how much they've helped me so far. It's amazing. You said you're half listening. You you remember it though. Like yeah. in the moment, you're like, I don't want to hear this. Exactly. And then you get older, it's like they had it right, had it figured out. Exactly. La- last one before I let you go and you'll stick around and talk to coach real quick is just kind of Notre Dame legacy. You guys are halfway through this season and I think it's been nice. We've talked about some football, but clearly you guys are great examples of like this place is more than just football. So right. When you're done here, and I'll start with you, Cam, and we'll go DJ, is just what do you want your Notre Dame legacy to be when you walk off this campus? Um, that's actually a tough question because I, I mean, I don't like to talk about myself much. <laughs> but um, honestly, that I was just a stand-up person, hmm. um, a person that was always there for my friends and my teammates and my coaches, um, someone who cared and was selfless, um, always gave my all and um, was dedicated to everything I do and um, never looked back. Sure. But you Cam took all the words, but <laughs> um honestly, I want to be someone that, you know, is remembered as being the same person every day. Uh whether things were not going well or things were going well. Um, you know, just being that same guy, not letting all the negativity or, you know, all the outside noise affect who I am. Um, you know, whether that be caring like Cam said, being a great teammate, yeah. um, being a leader uh, for the young guys. Uh, those are all things that, you know, go into, you know, being the same person every day. All right. Well, I appreciate you both joining me. We'll let you get out of here. We'll get the head coach in here. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate, appreciate it. And we're back with the action. Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever. That's right, Jim. With an irresistible taste and zero sugar, Coke Zero Sugar is a must try for any sports fan. So make sure you... Wait, Jim, I didn't mean try it right now. We're still on the air. <sighs> Mmm, best Coke ever? Take a taste, Jen. Really? No, not right now, Jen. We got a game to call. Hey, it's Tony Simeone, the voice of Notre Dame Athletics. Have you saved enough for retirement? Howard Bailey Financial is the official wealth management partner of Notre Dame Athletics, and they have a free resource that you can download right now. Get insight on taxes, Social Security, income planning, and much more by visiting retirewithpurpose.com slash echo. That's retirewithpurpose.com slash echo. Notre Dame Athletics was compensated for this endorsement and is not a current client of Howard Bailey. For more information, visit howardbailey.com slash disclosure. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! So I did want to start with this. You walked in here. Yeah. How does this set compare to the garage? Man, it's much better than my garage. Um, <laughs> looks more expensive. We put we put the garage together with some plywood, and we built the table ourselves. We painted the table ourselves. Uh, we just put the flags that was in our rooms behind us, and uh, we just went from there. We actually used Riverside, though, so, oh, so you're familiar. that's where the most of our money went to. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, when you got Coach Freeman paying for the whole set, it's easy to get the budget <laughs> figured out. Uh, we'll have to get a full feedback. We'll send you a review to give us like how the podcast stacks up. Uh, I also had a question about corners and receivers. So you came here as a receiver, right? Yeah. Is What's more true statement? Receivers, or sorry, corners are receivers who can't catch, or 
receivers are corners that don't want to hit? And I'll let you guys both answer because you're both defensive guys. Corners are people who can't catch because I actually moved to receiver. I mean, moved to cornerback <laughs> partially because I can't catch. Okay, so you're honest and about if it. If you watch my film, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle so. What do you think, Coach? That's a hard question. You know, I think deep down every corner probably feels like they can be a wideout. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I just the, the confidence they have. I don't know if every wideout thinks they can be a corner or wants to be a corner. Right, I know every corner thinks they could be a wideout. Interesting, know? but I think it a little a little bit has to be because of their makeup. But there's a lot of wideouts that have want no part of being a corner. You know, that's that defensive mindset I can yeah, hear yeah. coming through. So yeah, that's true that you have to have a completely different mindset to be able to make the switch to play defense. One hundred percent, especially corner, because I mean I believe it's one of the if not the hardest position mm-hmm. um, in football. You have to be kind of crazy to play corner. I think <laughs> and just to Go out there and just know at any play everything can go downhill and then have to belt belts back. Man, you you gotta have a couple screws loose. <laughs> I was gonna ask you about that. That's my most interesting thing, or the thing I find most interesting about corner is like you could play what seventy perfect snaps, and if one, two go the wrong way, they're they're calling you a bum. No, like no. They, you did not do it. So yeah. so how do you develop the right mindset to a you know you have to be on your stuff every play, but then also. You're going to get beat at corner, right, to be able to bounce back. What do you, what do you have to do mentally to, to get there? I just think you just have to – I mean, Coach Freeman hits it right on the, right on the nail. Um, just one play, one life. Hmm. Um, you just got to live by that, at, especially at corner, because, like you said, you can have a perfect game and we could be in a two-minute situation like we were versus Duke and they could just throw a bomb and everything can go downhill. So you just have to take it one play at a time. You have to be extremely focused. Yeah. You yeah. can't float at corner. Um, and you can – play 70 snaps and they don't give you any action. Then on that 71st snap, they can, again, throw a bomb and your whole game can go downhill. So yeah. you have to be extremely focused and um, be more locked in than usual. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You were talking about mindset. How much do you have to identify mindset when you're oh. coaching corners? Oh, I mean, one, playing the position. It, it I've never played it, but you talk about the definition of those things I just said, like one play, one life, staying in the moment. You have to be so locked in because I play linebacker. Right. Sometimes you can just go see ball, get ball. Mm-hmm. You know, in reality, you can just go try to run to the ball and, you know, your mind might not be exactly laser focused on what it needs to be and you can go play ball. At corner, you have to be locked in in the moment on what you have to be doing and truly one play, one life because if you let the last play – affect you or the next play like it can be torturous for your entire team and so and I think coaching it you have to understand that right right? where Mickens played the the corner position and so I know the natural reaction at times when people make mistakes is to lose your mind and do those things and I know coach Mick can at times but (laughs) it's also understanding that they have to process your anger before they hear what you say Hmm. right and so you have to be cautious on how much anger you give off because they're not processing what you want them to hear until they can get through processing the anger. And mm-hmm. so it's important to coach them that way. What is your process in film like, like study? Like, do you just, when you watch film and you know who you might be going up against, or you watch for tendencies? Like, what, I just want to know what a, pre- a week of preparation is like and how much is film based. Like, I'm going to look and see how this guy gets off the line or whatever. Like, I just, Certainly. I'm fascinated by corner. I've never really heard guys talk about it in too much depth. I'd take it day by day based on what we're focusing on as a defense. Mm-hmm. So Monday, uh, red zone, short yardage, Tuesday, early down, uh, Wednesday, third down, and then um, Thursday night and Friday, and if we have a night game Saturday, 
that's when I focus really on the tendencies of the receivers and dial in on exactly what receiver I'm playing and how other guys have played them, how they react to certain things. Mm. Um, so it's taking it day by day, and on the later half of the week, it's more technique, but on the front half, just making sure I know exactly what to do and how to do it. You took me towards something I wanted to ask about with both of you about all these night games, especially on the road. I imagine you guys are in the hotel. Like, what are you doing to kill the time? I imagine it's tough to get to whatever it is, 5 o'clock when you get to the stadium. What do you do all day, Saturday morning, when you get ready for the game? I'll start with you. <laughs> um, well, I do watch a little I watch a little film on the front half and then a little bit of football, just get my mind off the game. And then I sleep because I mean, <laughs> I'm anxious and I can think about so many different scenarios where I can make a play and – where I might get hurt and all that stuff. So I just get my mind off football as much as I possibly can, talk to my mom, girlfriend, just get away from it. And then once I come down for that pregame meal, um, just straight ball. Yeah. yeah. Coach, what about you? I, I get the sense like it's tough for you to wait until kickoff. What do you do to kill the time on Saturday? Usually I wake up and, and get some type of workout in. Okay. You know, to just wake up and get my mind right. Um, you know, preparations for we have a every – Saturday night game, we have a practice. Like we, it's a mock game, right. but making sure we're all dialed up, everybody's on the same page for um, this mock game, and then uh, you know just the head coach and preparations things you got to think about the film you got to see. But then you got about that two and a half hour block in the middle. You know, I went on a walk um, this last week uh, when we were at Duke. I went on a walk just to kind of just get out of the hotel, yeah. and then you actually go back and I watched. Uh, Shoot, uh, it was Colorado USC. I watched a little bit, yeah. and and some coaches say they struggle doing that because they feel like they're working. Like, I was pure enjoy. I was watching for it's for enjoyment. Like it's, I was telling my wife like to watch somebody and have no stress. <laughs> like it was the greatest feeling to actually watch a half of a game and say, man, I don't care who wins or loses, and and you know just for the entertainment. Yeah, um, it's something you very very seldom get to do um, when you're a coach because. You know, you're preparing for our two thirty, three thirty games. You're preparing in the morning, and you're once the game's over, and by the time you get home, there's no more games. You're going to bed. Were you watching Colorado at the end when they're down two touchdowns, saying you got to go faster? You don't have any timeouts, or you're gonna have to onside? <laughs> oh, that's all see, I was yelling. That's working. That's <laughs> okay. working. Nope. So nope. even you let it go. I wanted to just watch it and enjoy it, and just see who won the game. And uh, okay. it was an entertaining game. Yeah. For a while. yeah. I heard a rumor that whenever you're done playing football, you think about maybe going to law school. Yeah. And being a agent afterwards sure. yeah. okay tell me about that and and why you want to do that so i told i told you a little bit about my godfather and um just seeing him um do what he does on a daily basis i mean i want to be around the game as much as for as long as i possibly can and then um my aunt's also a lawyer and um i don't know it's just something about it just having that autonomy to think for yourself and um make decisions yourself yeah um something i always loved and then <clears throat> i like reading so I mean, obviously, you get some strenuous readings in law school, and I did political science here, and, and it was the same way. And um, I hate math, and <laughs> I always, I mean, I was always just thinking as a kid, what do I want to do after football is done? Because, I mean, obviously, teachers and parents and friends always instilling you figure out something you want to do after football. So uh, it, it started with something that I just said because that was what the role models around me were doing. Right. But um, something I actually grew in grew into and um wanted to do going forward and um yeah that's what i'm gonna do after football coach you think you could have ever handled law school oh no no <laughs> no 
No, not just because the passion wasn't there. Yeah. You, know, you can tell he's passionate about it. But I do wonder, like you said, you hate math. Like You're going to have to look over these contracts. No doubt. <laughs> I mean, I could do math. I just hate it. Yeah. I want to make sure you... Listen, you're my agent now. You better, hey, make sure the I numbers handle, are right. I can handle money. Yeah, yeah. I can handle you money. Can, sure. You can also hire a math guy or a money guy to handle the contracts. Yeah. You get all the legalese figured out and bring someone else with a calculator to yeah. add it all up. Yeah. Uh, I want to get you out of here with the same question I always ask you about the guy that's sitting with you. Just We obviously know what he's interested in after ball, but I think he's a great player too. Just to have a fifth-year guy like Cam on the roster, we've had a lot of fifth-year guys mm-hmm. here this year, and I just – I can feel the impact they have on the program because they have so much experience here. But what's it been like to coach him as obviously a DC, but then evolve when you've seen him as the head coach? And and what are you excited for about Cam Hart when he's done here? Yeah, he said I was a a lot more angry as the DC. You know? <laughs> That's what he told me. Uh, he told me a couple of weeps ago in our meet, our captains meeting. But you know, to see him as a player and the growth over these three years. You know, when I first got here, I don't know how long you had played corner. Uh, Twenty one. It was my second year. second year. Mm-hmm. You know, and very raw. Um, talented, but raw football player to see the growth to where he's at now. And it's a testament to the work he's put in. Like I have a lot of respect for Cam Hart as a, the way he works and prepares to talk. Not all, you're going to meet a lot of corners. Not all of them have that work ethic that he just talked about. Prepare the way he does. And that's what gives him a chance to truly maximize that talent that he has. So um, he's, you know, you just listen to him talk, man. He's intelligent, man. Yeah. He's going to, He's going to be successful. He's going to play this game for a long time. You know, that's one of the reasons why he came back. You know, we had a long conversation last year about the pros and cons of going to the NFL. He could have went to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And um, he had some high grades uh, from NFL scouts. But he came back for this reason, is to maximize who he is and, and come here and uh, be a captain and, and the things that he's doing. And so he's going to be successful. I just hope he uh, – remembers me man when he's doing all those big time con- he's first he's gonna have somebody doing his contract yeah and when he's doing contract, he's just got to remember me man yeah i'm looking forward to seeing what's next and i'm with coach whenever you're done i'm coming to you and having you restructure my contract for this show <laughs> all, right? all right i appreciate you sticking around and uh we'll talk to you later man appreciate it thank right, you see you that to-do list you have needs one more thing chill it's an easy thing to do just crack open a nice cold coors light and chill Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Bank like the Irish when you become a member of Credit Union One, the official banking partner of Notre Dame Athletics. Open a Fighting Irish checking account to get special perks and choose from one of eight exclusive Notre Dame debit card designs so you can show your pride every time you pay. Plus, with the Credit Union One branch located just steps from campus at 1140 East Howard Street and CU One's highly rated mobile app, it's never been more convenient to bank on your schedule. Find out more at creditunionthenumberone.org slash Irish. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, we are now joined by a very special guest this week. He's one of my favorite people to talk to every single week on the Notre Dame football radio broadcast. It is Super Bowl champ, best-selling author, keynote speaker. The list goes on and on. Former Notre Dame offensive lineman, Ryan Harris. Ryan, how the heck are you, man? I'm doing great if I'm with you, Tony. Thanks so much for having me. Let's start here. Just get it out of the way. We're joined on this software. Your name on the software is Django Gatsby. Can you explain why it's not Ryan Harris? 
Well, uh, you know, everybody in Minnesota, a lot of people in Minnesota, you know, we love Prince and, and rest in peace to Prince. And he always had an alter ego when he would travel. And I was I thought when I was younger, I was like, man, you know, when I make it, I'll have something, something Gatsby. And then my favorite movie of all time, the greatest movie ever made, Django Unchained. So I like Django Gatsby, third cousin to Jay Gatsby. You know what I mean? It's just right in there for you. Okay, I love that. Uh, we're <laughs> off and running to a great start here. I want to talk some football, and then we'll we'll dive into your career and some other stuff later. But I couldn't believe it. I was talking to Coach Freeman earlier on this show. We're halfway through the regular season. They finished the first six games before the end of September. You watch every game on the Notre Dame radio broadcast. You've been up close and personal. They're obviously one play away two weeks ago from being 6-0 and and probably in the top five, and they're one play away this past week from two straight defeats and probably having a different conversation here. So big picture, six games into the year, where do you assess this team at the halfway point? They're one of the best teams in the nation, you know, and everything they have done has proven that. One of the top defenses, one of the best rushing offenses, one of the most efficient passing games. Uh, And when you look at the Ohio State and Duke game, what I see is one of the best teams in the nation being tested. And players and coaches were tested at Ohio State. And in a short six days, they turned around and fired on many of those same points that weren't perfect uh, against Ohio State. They executed against Duke. I mean, Sam Hartman's conversion on fourth and 16 might go down as the play of the season. Who knows how much money the program will make from that because you're so eligible for so many other bowl games. But Marcus Freeman has done a phenomenal job of building a a roster that has resolve, but also has talent, incredible talent. And some of the young talent coming in is just a a taste of what's to come. I look at a guy like Rico Flores Jr. or Jeremiah Love. These aren't the kind of players that Notre Dame was getting in the past. Marcus Freeman is landing those players and playing them early. So there's just a ton to come. But I love what Marcus has been able to do in, in relatively short time here in two short calendar years. You mentioned the Sam Hartman conversion on 4th and 16. You've played with great quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, just to name one. Um, but when a quarterback does that, what does that do for a locker room? Going forward now, everyone knew Sam Hartman had experience. They knew he could make the throws. But when you see a guy with the really the season on the line, put his body on the line and convert, now the rest of the year, does that give you a different sense of belief in a locker room? Absolutely. You think that your quarterback, you know that your quarterback only thinks about winning the game. And and that's something I had to learn even in the NFL. There'd be times where we were down the second quarter or third quarter. I thought, oh, man, we're losing this game. That doesn't work like that with great quarterbacks. And it doesn't work like that with Sam Hartman. And that's part of the experience and that everyone talks about and has heard about. But as a player, he knows he has the ability to make those plays and he knows how important it is to lead those guys to success. I mean, even in that huddle on fourth and 16, those guys aren't just looking around like, oh man, I've got it, I'm ready to go. No, they're looking literally in Sam's eyes and your heart's beating out of your chest, the sweat's dripping down your face. You're thinking, this guy's got a plan. We have a plan. I mean, the confidence it gives from the first word of the play call to the end of the play is something that gets the entire team going, did so against Duke. And really, Notre Dame has been so fortunate. And Marcus Freeman, creating the space for Sam Hartman to be at this program and elevate it to a new level. I want to talk trenches um, because you mentioned the running game has been good throughout the year. The passing game has been efficient. And the offensive line, I think, halfway through the year, they've got tons of skill, tons of talent. Everyone knows about the tackles. 
you know the film better than me. You know the game better than me. I get the sense there's still another level for them to get to. So I'm wondering what you're seeing and where they can make those strides to kind of become one of those offensive lines that Notre Dame has had in the past where you look back at the end of the year and you go, man, that line made the difference and won them football games really down the stretch of the season. Well, that's where it starts right now for me. It starts at left tackle Joe Alt. I mean, one of the best left tackles in the nation. It's not just me, Tony. I talk to NFL scouts that I know almost every single game, and especially with the last couple big games, a lot of questions about Joe Alt and, and what I see there. And then you've got, of course, Blake Fisher at right tackle. And I think people miss how remarkable it is that he overcame his knee injury and surgery his freshman year to be one of the top tackles in the nation. Of course, you got Zeke Carell with a ton of starts there at center. But then Pat Coogan on the left guard has been my favorite surprise. This young man is balling. Great balance, great strength, excellent in pass pro. And Rocco Spindler on the other side in his first year starting, he's been doing well too. So you mentioned it, though. There's two young guys and some veterans there, Tony. And that offensive line, people don't know how much communication happens. I mean, it's like a constant game of telephone. Hey, Mike's right. Mike changed left. Mike changed right. Hey, swip, swip, swip. You know, you're giving all these calls. And the familiarity you have to have, not only with the words that are being said, but who's saying it, right? If I'm on the road and I'm a left tackle, I'm in my stance, I'm looking at my periphery to where the ball's being snapped. I need to know the difference in voice tones of who's talking to know who's talking to me. And that's the benefit you get with how far along in the season this entire offensive line is played together now. That's starting to be easier and easier for them. And you're seeing them battle through big moments to help this team be successful and I couldn't be happier. I mean, we do have a strong tradition at Notre Dame of, of being an O-lineman and taking that to the NFL. We call ourselves O-line U for a reason. So make no mistake, a lot of offensive linemen in the NFL and who have played in the NFL, they're watching that offensive line to make sure they're keeping tabs and, and keeping up with the tradition, which this unit is. And I can't say enough about Marcus Freeman bringing in Joe Rudolph to coast these boys up. You sound a lot like the guys I talked to uh, last week and Zeke and Joe. There's so much pride uh, in that offensive line room. One more about this team before I kind of take it big picture with you about your career uh, is just about getting ready for next week. I, I This is maybe not quite the same as getting ready for the Ohio State game with Central Michigan in front of them because this Louisville team is now the top 25. But I'm looking ahead like, wow, you have a chance to have this huge game at home against USC. But there's a massive test again in primetime uh, down in Louisville. So as they get set for this one, just as you've started to think about how they travel down there to Louisville, what are the biggest keys you think that they need to uh, kind of get in place to make sure they take care of business in another primetime environment? We'll focus every down as the opportunity to show how great you are as a team and as an individual. And really, they have no choice now, right? With the loss to Ohio State, you have no choice but to play your best football in every game. And you, and you got out of Duke with a fantastic victory that really didn't have to be that close if you were able to do some things in that second half as well as stop them defensively at key points. So there's still a ton to be coached about. The defensive line absolutely has to start getting some sacks on the quarterback. You have to be able to bring pressure without bringing one or two linebackers. And then offensively, they just have to be consistent. You can't go out, score 14 points, and then take two quarters off. It makes it too dramatic for those of us with cardiologists, Tony. So they <laughs> just got to be consistent. And to be clear, that's something that every offense, every offensive coordinator, and every player has to get to in a season. And it looks different every season. 
But this offense has all the weapons it wants. How consistent can you be? And consistency doesn't mean in football do the same thing at the same level. Consistency means you are fi- consistently finding ways to improve, whether it's a route or a fake or a play call. You're constantly trying to improve that to, to raise your performance. And these Irish are right there. They're one of the best teams in the nation. They have to be able to prove it each and every play. I want to ask you about your broadcast career. This is now your sixth season doing the radio broadcasts. Uh, I love talking to you during pregame, halftime, postgame, but you also do some NFL radio and you do different stuff with NFL and TV. I, I just want to know this time of year, what is a week like for you? How do you prepare for a broadcast? How do you make sure you're up to date on all the college football you got to be ready for, all the NFL stuff? I imagine you're a busy guy. So just for those that uh, follow your career, what do you do to get ready uh, for every weekend? Number one, drink water. Number two, get some rest, as much <laughs> sleep as possible. It helps your, your, your performance and cognitive performance. You know, but I love this work that I do. I, I tell people I got a doctorate in applied football mechanics and theory from uh, Peyton Manning University, right? And <laughs> I love the game. I, I, I don't have the passion to play it anymore because I know what it takes. But I love looking at the game that brought so much to not only my life, but my family's life and enriched me in so many ways. And so many great coaches, including Notre Dame great Andy Heck, was a coach of mine at the Kansas City Chiefs and really taught me how to look at the game differently. And so I love to do that for, for fans of the game. And for this week, Tony, we got a wild one. This Today I woke up, did the uh, Broncos news coverage uh, for their partner station. 5.50 was the first hit in the morning. Had a little meeting at 9.00. Took a little nap showing up here, but I've already started my studying because I have not only the game Saturday night for Notre Dame Louisville, I leave 545 the next morning, Sunday morning to get my way to San Francisco, Santa Clara to call the Cowboys and 49ers game. And Tony, that's where I want to be on Sunday night, right? I mean, yeah. I, hey, I love my wife with three kids and I would have either been watching that game and now I'm, I'm thankful to be able to call it. And I always look for two things. What can I teach people that they don't know? And how can I make them laugh about the game they love? And if I can do those two things, uh, I feel that I'm being successful. And I'm really in my passion lane talking about something I dearly love that's brought a lot to my life and hopefully bringing some to others. For those that maybe haven't listened to the radio broadcast, I can't recommend them enough because your play-by-play guy, Paul Burmeister, played quarterback at Iowa. I think it's – when I listen, it's so unique because rarely can someone in your position – bounce a few things off the play-by-play guy. He he played quarterback in the Big Ten. So to your point, I learned stuff listening to the games because we're getting a quarterback perspective and an offensive line perspective. Just what's it been like to work with Paul and kind of bounce some ideas off each other over the course of the last six years? Working with Paul Burmeister has been one of the greatest gifts of of my post-football career. I mean, from day one, he's been a pro's pro, and he knows how to do everything. Literally, I think right now as we speak, he's doing Premier League soccer. Right. right. I mean, unbelievable. Try getting 10 names right on anybody in that soccer league. Tour de France, um, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Tour de France. And, you know, he's done he's done, I believe, three Olympics. So to for me, you know, one of the things I learned in in my career is when someone has experience, you better listen and pay attention. And so right away, I've been listening and paying attention to Paul and not from a standpoint that you know, his job is more important than mine or mine than his, and I want to learn from him. So I've been able to learn so much, and Tony, he's so good that sometimes working other places, I kind of had to, 
I had to change gears a little bit. I had to figure, oh, not every every single play-by-play guy can make me laugh in the middle of a, of a drive, you know? So it's been wonderful to me to not only have someone to learn from, but to to work with someone I really, really enjoy. And Paul Burmeister, he's one of my brothers, and also somebody who I can ask questions to, uh, whether it's on a broadcast we're doing or something else that I might be doing that week because he, like me, has a schedule much like yours, Tony. I'm sure this isn't the only thing you're doing. So I cannot say enough great things about Paul Burmeister, one of the best play-by-play guys in the world, and I've been fortunate to learn a lot from him. It was fun to listen to the end of the game, certainly uh, in Durham on Saturday night. Something that always comes across when I listen to you talk about Notre Dame football is how much you love Notre Dame the school. Uh, And we've had um, almost exclusively, I think Catherine Tappan is the only non-Notre Dame uh, student that's been our featured guest on this show. Uh, but everyone kind of has a different way they describe their Notre Dame experience and the impact it had on them. I hear it when you broadcast. So for those that maybe haven't followed as closely, just when you think of the university, what comes to mind and what impact did it have on you? It's a life-changing decision I made to go to Notre Dame. And I, and I take one story, my father-in-law, I love bringing people to Notre Dame for the first time. My father-in-law, I love him so much. And we talk all the time. We joke all the time. I brought him to campus, and as soon as we got on campus for the game, he didn't say a word. And so after the broadcast, I took off my phone. I was like, hey, man, you doing okay? And tears started welling in his eyes. He's like, the people, where did you find these people? And that rings true to me so much. And the first people I met when it came to Notre Dame was a guy who grabbed me on the shoulder on the field after they beat Michigan. I was a recruit and said, I know who you are. I know why you're here. And if you come to Notre Dame, you're bigger than the roster. You're a part of the family. And he walked away. Think about uh, Coach Willingham, who took me to the, the mosque, the only school to take me to a mosque on my official visit. And then later, Charlie Weiss, who taught me how to be so much better as a football player and how to expect great things of myself. And then you start talking about the, fa- the people that I meet, the family I have from my dorm, Siegfried Hall, Hall of Champions and an institution that made me better in my most pivotal years. I mean, Tony, you see it sometimes because you're there on campus. A lot of fans miss when football players of whatever kind of talent you are, you're walking across campus at 4.30 in the morning when it's snowing out because you got you to gotta work out. I worked so hard, and I've been rewarded so much, not only by what I learned, but by the people I've been around. It continues to this day, and I love being at Notre Dame. I love being from Notre Dame. And I love the expectation of excellence and, and the challenge to be a force for good. I think you put it so well. Uh, you said Siegfried. I'm curious mm-hmm. then about your dining experience on campus. We've been asking everyone this question. Okay, let's get the vote out. Is it a north or south dining hall vote for you? This is not a question, Tony. If anybody gets on your show and lies to the people and says they like South Dining Hall, it's only because they like the movie Rudy. That's it. That's it. That's the only time. North Dining Hall is far superior, far better food, far less people. You don't need everybody in there. North Dining Hall for life, Siegfried Hall, Hall of Champions. Shout out to Father John who's retired. (laughs) That is, we've now tied the score two to two. I cannot wait to see how it gets broken. I'm with you. I don't think my vote counts because I didn't – you know, attend any classes show. here. It I, has that's the count. That's a good point. It, maybe I'll be the tie-breaking vote. Uh, I'll break the tie in the Senate. I'm like the vice president. Um, <laughs> the uh, the last thing I got for you is just uh, maybe your uh, biggest. When you think about Notre Dame, I asked about the university. Uh, a memory though that that floods to your mind. You mentioned some of the coaches. 
just about the the football program. I know it set you up for great success in the NFL. Is there something that comes to mind? You go, geez, that that was the thing that sticks with me for my time as a football player at Notre Dame. Oh, man, a lot came to me. Not everything I can tell, Tony. You know that about me. You and I have had great dinners together. Uh, two things come to mind. One, my senior year, uh, we beat Michigan State. I think we were down 21 in the fourth quarter. It was like monsoon rains. And then later that season, um, we had Jeff Samarja just catch a simple route against UCLA and take it to the house. That was insane. Just to be a part of those that group – to know and love Brady Quinn and, and all the members of that team that are doing phenomenal things as as individuals, as fathers, as husbands. It uh, It's so funny. You know, I'll, I'll see some of them sometimes, whether on campus or elsewhere. And, you know, I, I think about them in the huddle. Like, I think about Jeff Samarja in the huddle with the eye black on saying, hey, what's the play? You know, and making those kinds of plays or you know, John Carlson and I um, just looking at each other before a block and we know we're together. Hey, you ready? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. We started getting a Minnesotan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then we get to put our you know hand in the ground. So just life building, life changing memories as both a, an individual and, of course, as a player where we had a tremendous amount of success. And I just loved playing with those guys. Ryan, appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break and then come back with our final from the Irish question. So don't go anywhere. Before we get back to the show, we want to tell you a little more about our presenting partner, TireRack.com. While we've been talking running, passing, and scoring, the experts at TireRack have performance of a different kind on their minds. Test results, consumer reviews, and a tire decision guide make tire buying a snap with mobile tire installation that comes to you. Get the right tires to tackle whatever comes next at TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Okay, it's time for our From the Irish segment. It's presented, as always, by TireRack.com. Ryan, we always ask for some uh, listener-submitted questions. Today we've got a question. It's coming from Jackson, who's from Wilmington, North Carolina. Got Notre Dame fans all over the country. This is a broad one. You can take it any direction you want. Don't think it has to be football, but it can be, of course. It is simply, what is your biggest accomplishment? Meeting my wife, Jackson. I mean, my goodness. I was so lucky to be drafted to Denver. Uh, yeah, we won a Super Bowl, but my wife is amazing. We have three amazing children. I'm just fortunate every day to have a partner who is on my team and who wants the best for me. Um, but that beats winning the Super Bowl. And if I ever win the lottery, it'll be, I'll win the lottery again because I was lucky enough to meet my wife. Um, but other than that, like professionally, absolutely raising the Super Bowl. The thing you there's a couple of things you learn when you win a Super Bowl. Number one, you only win on purpose. You only win on purpose. That's the only way to win. You can't win by accident, right? Outside of being born in a nice area, that's fine. I understand that. But when it comes to a contest, you only win on purpose. And to win, you don't have to be perfect. You have to be willing. Right? Peyton Manning threw an interception. I gave up a sack in our Super Bowl. Our Super Bowl rings don't say that. And the knowledge that you don't have to be perfect to be your best is unbelievably relieving. So uh, meeting my wife and then learning those key points about being on a championship team that comes together, that loves each other, that doesn't try and put one person down for their own individual gain. Uh, th those are the things that I'm, I'm proudest about in, in my life that I've experienced. And Jackson, I'm trying to get out to Wilmington, North Carolina, because I heard there's great surfing out there. So maybe I'll see you on the waves, brother. 
always looking for a wave you can catch. Uh, you can catch Ryan on the airwaves. Wow, look at that segment. Nice. Notre Dame football radio broadcast. Of course, if you're listening uh, to NFL football this weekend, sounds like you'll be in Santa Clara. But best-selling author, Super Bowl champ, he does it all. He entertains me every Saturday when Notre Dame is playing. Uh, this is year six of him and Paul. I can't recommend. Again, people watch the game on TV. I don't hold it against him. Uh, I would never tell him to put the TV on mute and turn the radio <laughs> on. Although do it's, that. It's, it's, I'd never do that. Uh, but, man, if your TV audio doesn't work, it's a great way if you need to see the film and also listen along. And if you're driving or don't have access to a TV, listen to the radio broadcast. These guys are a blast to listen to. I'll talk to you on Saturday when they're down in Louisville. Let's talk to you then, Tony, and I'm just I'm happy to know you and to work with you as well. You are one of those professionals and people that I was talking about when I talk about Notre Dame. You make this place great, and I'm so glad you have this show to bring Notre Dame to the masses worldwide, wide, wide. <laughs> there he is, Ryan Harris. Talk to you Saturday. Thanks for joining us on Wake Up the Echoes. That does it for this week's edition of Wake Up the Echoes, presented by TireRack.com. Big thanks, as always, to the head coach, Marcus Freeman, DJ Brown, Cam Hart, and Ryan Harris for joining us. Notre Dame is 5-1. Looking forward to talking to everybody next week after the Louisville game. In the meantime, download, subscribe, listen wherever you get your podcasts, and also like on YouTube. Subscribe there as well. If you want to submit a question that can be answered by one of our special guests every week, you can always go to fightingirish.com slash wake up. If you look at the bottom of the page, there's a spot to submit those. We love getting those listener questions for our From the Irish segment. Until next week, go wake up the echoes. Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish, presented by TireAct.com, is also brought to you by Canon Solutions America, Credit Union One, Coca-Cola, Gatorade, and Under Armour.